So glad you're here. My name is Pierce. I'm one of the pastors. And um, today's a little bit different. Um, usually, if you're joining us or you're a guest, usually we teach in these things called series. And, and so we just ended a series last week um, called A Spacious Place, looking at the, the life God is in, not just asking, but inviting us into to create space, to see Him, to experience His fullness. And um, it's just an incredible series. You can go back and watch that online if you weren't here or you missed it. And then next week, we start our summer series, which is just going to be an incredible time. Pastor Jacob's kicking us off next week and is all on Psalm 23. And, uh, and a psalm that whether you've been in church or not, you've probably heard before. And, and we're going to break it down over the summer. It's going to be an incredible time. So this week is just kind of a one-off. And so I wanted to share with you this morning um, one of the places that I find a spacious place. One of the places that I connect with God and outside of the word and outside of my worship with him, uh, probably the number one, I can, one, number one place I connect with God is around a dinner table. I, one, love to eat. And I love to be around the table with friends and with family, people who believe Jesus is the son of God, the only way to the, to the father. And I love to be around the table with people who vehemently disagree with me. Because sharing the food brings us together and we, I get to see Jesus in your story And then when I tell my story, I'm reminded of how Jesus has been faithful through my life. And so I want to look at a passage of scripture today that that just just that. It's Jesus at a table, but this is no like spacious, relaxed dinner that they're kicked back at like you would at your grandmother's house. But this is a a dinner full of controversy and wonder. It's full full of faith and breaking of the law. What I love about this is God's opened this scripture up to me. It's one I've read so many times, but it opened up to me anew this past year and past six months. And I think whether you're coming in today and you've never heard the name of Jesus, you've just heard us sing his song, or you are been walking with Jesus faithfully for years, I think there's stuff for us to take out of this. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you guys are tuning in online on our live stream. So wherever you are, here's their scripture. But before I get to reading the scripture, you got to set it up. We're gonna, this dinner party takes place in kind of four movements. And so we're going to read the last of the four movements of the scripture. So the first movement is this. Jesus shows up on the Sabbath, the day of rest, to a house of a Pharisee, which is a religious ruler of the day. And he comes in, and it's not, like I said, it's full of wonder and questioning. And it says actually in Luke 14, I think it is verse 2, it says they were watching him. The Pharisees were watching him. They wanted to catch him in, in something. They wanted to get him. They were tired of what was happening. They wanted to arrest him. And maybe even the thought of killing him was already in their minds, which they later do. But, but we know the end of that story. And so Jesus shows up and there's a guy there and it doesn't give us a lot of detail on it, but it tells us that he has a withered, some, some swollen body joints and Jesus heals him. And he heals him in front of the very people that oversee the law and enforce the law. Now they didn't write the law. God wrote the law in the Old Testament, but these are the guys that oversee it and enforce it. And Jesus breaks the law right in front of them. And I love what it says in verse three. It says, but they remain silent. There's nothing for them to say. And then Jesus looks at the dinner party and he looks out and all the people are kind of vying for the top seat of honor, right? They're all trying to have that special seat. Maybe you've been to that dinner party. Like everybody's trying to get to this special spot. And so Jesus kind of takes a step back and he goes, this is not how you interact at a dinner party. This is not how you act when you gather together. And he begins to call them out for it. And he says, you're privileged and you're, and you're acting elitist and, and, and that is not the heart of God. And so as soon as he gets through calling them out, he looks at the, the, the guy, the Pharisee, the one who's throwing the party and said, hey man, when you host a party, this isn't how you do it. You don't just invite your friends that can, that, that, that can repay you with their own party. 
but you open up your house to everybody. So up until the moment of our scripture reading, Jesus has offended everybody there, minus maybe the guy that he healed. He might be the only guy that's like, I'm cool with this guy at the party. He brings some nice stuff, but everybody else is upset. And one guy says this, he goes, well, isn't everyone that's at the table, meaning the party they are at right then and there, aren't we all blessed? Jesus tells this story starting in Luke 14. It says this, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. You take that for whatever you want to take that as. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. God, we don't need just a simply another gathering. We gather all the time in different places, but we need a moment here today where we meet with you. Give us a revelation not just something that we learn, but a revelation that changes how we look at you, how we look at life, how we apply it to our life. So give us the ears to hear the scripture and your words this morning, not mine, God. To have the heart to receive the words that we hear, to believe the words that are true. Give us the wisdom to understand it and the faith to apply it. In your name we pray, amen. So I am, myself and my wife, um, this is the only service I get to do this. She's here today. And uh, this is her service, 1045. And, and we have had a, an incredible last six months, seven months of first. A lot of first things are going on. We are a week and a half out um, for close, from closing on our first home. We could not be more excited. And we are five weeks out um, as of tomorrow from our little girl getting here and our first child. And so, man, pumped is an understatement and wonder is an understatement. And, and so when we tell people this, they ask, how's life going? We go, well, you know, we're getting ready to get a house and, and, and we're having a baby. And, and they go, well, are those close together? And we're like, oh, a few weeks apart. And they go, oh, <laughs> how are you guys doing? And so we've just begun to say, you know what? We don't know anything different. And then we also say, or I say, I, I'll take this one on. I don't know what I don't know, right? And I'm learning, and I'm Googling. Man, I don't know about your weekend, but I spent like four hours the other day looking at what goes in the dad hospital bag on YouTube. So you thought you had a good weekend. Boy, tell me. And so, but we're, we're just in the season of first, and we're so excited. Um, but I don't know what I don't know, and I'm learning. So a few months ago, we were sitting here in the 1045 service, and Jenny and Gina were just leading so beautifully in worship. And uh, I'm the emotional one of the family. If you know us, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, thanks, Joy. And, uh, and so in those moments, um, I, I leaned over to my wife, and it just kind of hit me that, that our little girl was hearing these worship songs. And I was like, how beautiful is that? I mean, I know she's not in the womb, like, going, like, yes, Jesus. But, like, she's, she's hearing them. And they're being sung over her, and they're resting in who she is. And so, like, with a tear in my eye, I leaned over to Claire, and I said, can you believe it? Like, Emmy Joe, that's her name. Emmy Joe is hearing these words. Tears still running down my face. Claire looks at me with no emotion. 
and says, Pierce, she doesn't have ears yet. <laughs> to which I replied, let me show you my app I downloaded from the app store that says on this week, she gets ears and she goes, get another app. And I was like, you get another app. And, uh, and she goes, I got the doctor. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll trust the doctor on that one. But a few weeks later, we were sitting on our couch doing our like nightly routine of, of watching NCIS and Gibbs and Denozo. And, and uh, we're watching. And she tells me, she goes, Pierce, uh, Emmy Joe now can hear you. And I was like, this is my moment. I need to formally introduce myself to my daughter for the first time. Like, this needs to happen. So no lie, I lean over on the couch, get pretty close, and I do this, just like this. I go, Emmy Joe, your dad, that's me. I love you so much. And it was in that so that I got hit. And it wasn't from Emmy Joe; It was from my wife. And she goes, what are you doing? And I was like, first of all, what are you, do? what are you doing interrupting me, trying to introduce myself to my daughter for the first time? She goes, why are you screaming? And I was like, don't you have to? Like, there's a lot going on in there. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much I need to be loud. She's like, the neighbors don't need to hear you. And I was like, well, maybe you're right. And, uh, and so... I, I just, she said, you don't have to yell. All you have to do is talk. And so I was like, okay. So I just talked. I didn't have to yell. Just had to talk. I don't know about you, but there's times in life that I feel like I need to yell at God. Just being honest. There's times in life that I'm like, God, do you know what's going on right now? Like, I know you know. Like, I get it. Theologically, I understand you know all things. You know, but like, I don't see you in this. I don't see you in my marriage right now. I don't see you in my relationship with my kids. I don't see you in my work. I don't see you in the relationship with my family. That's a long ways away. I don't see you in these moments. And the good thing about God is he just lets us yell. I mean, that's his goodness. He just lets us yell. And he says, all you got to do is talk. You can yell. I can take it. But all you have to do is talk. And so a few months ago, I was in this like day, this kind of afternoon of just not seeing God in a specific place and, and just kind of yelling at him, if I'm honest, and, and I begin to read this passage, and he began to open up this passage in a way that I'd never read it before, and it began to do a shift in me and a change in me um, that has been huge over the last few months, and, and so like I said when I, we started, whether you are coming for the first time or, or you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, I think there's a lot of application here and a lot of truths here for us to take. See, the reason Jesus tells this story at the last of the dinner supper stories is he tells it because this guy says, hey, well, aren't all of us blessed because we're here? And Jesus is about to expand what blessed means to them and to us. See, we in America today, in 2019, we've taken blessed to mean the new car, the new ride, the new shoes, the new thing, right? Like like hashtag blessed. Hit that on Instagram, hit that on Facebook, and it's all the new stuff. Nothing wrong with the new stuff, but, but, but we've hijacked the word blessing but the people who heard jesus talk about this and the people that read the old scriptures and and that were in the time of jesus when they heard blessed it was a very different thing there's a scripture in matthew 5 this incredible sermon at the beginning of the gospel of matthew where it says this blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven another translation that i've read says this i love it blessed are those who life has kicked them so hard the wind has been knocked out of their lungs for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you feel like that today. That's the understanding of blessing. It's not in the situation, in the invitation that God gives us. The same God that said, let there be light, and there was light, invites us into his story. That's the blessings. 
The blessing of God, and you start in your notes this morning, the blessing of God is in the invitation from God to do life fully surrendered to God. No situation, no caveat, it's all on God's side. The blessing of God is in the invitation from God to do life fully surrendered to God. So when I was reading this passage a few months ago, um, what I felt him say, and when I say felt him say, I don't want to over-romanticize this. This is like I just felt something in my gut. I felt something in my spirit. 51% sure, 49% could have been the pizza the night before. Um, but, but regardless, like, this is what I felt God say. And, and it's like I said, he said, I feel like you, Pierce, have a tendency to be all three groups invited to the banquet. So I want to walk through all three groups. The first group is the group that, that gets the invitation first and they start making excuses, right? I can't be there because I bought land and I need to go check it out. The second guy goes, I bought a bunch of oxen and I need to go check them out. The third guy goes, I, I just got married and I can't come. Like I said, I'm not touching that. And so, so all these reasons of like good things have gone on and they've become the reason that they can't come to the party. See, the blessing is in the invitation, right? So the, bless, the invitation is extended to the good gifts, the gifts given in our life. The invitation is extended to the gifts given in our life. So the gifts aren't the bad thing. The bad thing is this. Check this out. When the gifts become the reason or excuse, we stop coming back to the Father. That's when the gifts become a bad thing. When we start taking the reasons for the gifts and going, hey, God, I, I know you gave me my family. I know you gave me my community. I know you gave me these things. But, but these are the reasons now I can't come back to you. God goes, you want to be a good friend? It starts in my presence. You want to be a good husband? It starts in my presence. You want to be a good a worker and co-worker? It starts in my presence. And God said, hey, I'm inviting the good things of life, the gifts that I've given you, back into my presence. Will you bring those back into me? To just be reminded of who was the giver and to honor the giver of them. And God was saying, sometimes, Pierce, you have a tendency not to bring those gifts back to me. The second group was this. So they all make excuses. He comes back and the servant says, hey, well, go out into the streets and get the blind, the crippled, the lame, and the poor. Bring them back into my house. What I felt God saying in those moments, again, 51% sure, was that the streets were lined with people who had visible hurt and visible brokenness. To understand the city of the day, we, we, we've talked about this before. It didn't look like Mount Juliet where you can just hop on the interstate, hop off, drive in, drive out. But these cities were made with like walls around them. They were fully walled, and so you stayed inside the city. You really didn't want to go outside the city because it was unsafe out there. So, so everybody was staying in the city. So people who, who were, had visible ailments would, would line the streets of the city, and the master of the house tells his servant to go get those people. If the blessing is in the invitation, then the invitation is extended to the visible hurt in our life. The blessing is in the invitation that's extended to the visible hurt in our life. If you want to know what the visible hurt is in, in, in your life, think about this. What's the elephant in the room? What's the elephant in your, in your marriage? What's the elephant in your relationship with your kids? What's the elephant in your friendships? What's the elephant in the room when it comes to your parents? What's the elephant in the room at work? What are the things in life that I know are hurting and you know are hurting and, and we have this common understanding that this is hurting but we're not going to address it? Like, I don't, I've said this before and it sounds dumb, but I don't know how this got to be here, but I don't know what to do with it, so I'm just going to leave it. Right? How often do we do that? I don't know how this got to be here. 
I don't know what to do with it, how to make it better. So I'm simply going to leave it. And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting that part to no longer be the elephant in the room, but to bring it to my table. The reality is this. Some of those things that are visible, broken, and hurt things in our life are life. And it's simply that life has happened, and it's happened so much in a way that, that we're hurting. We had no control over it. But let's be honest. There are some things in our life that are visible, and they're elephants in the room. That's just our sin. Like, that's places that we've missed the mark, that we've made mistakes. Nobody forced us. Nobody did, that's just our sin. And Jesus is saying, hey, I know it's visible, but I'm asking you to bring it to my table. It's at my table that you find redemption. It's at my table that you find hope. It's at my table that you find salvation. It's at my table that you find full freedom. And what's written on our wall out there, wholeness. The third group was this. The servant comes back, and I love this line. The servant comes back and says, hey, um, I've got everybody from the streets, but there's, but there's still room. And if we can hold on to that passage right there, that, 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 those few words, but there's still room. So he says, go out into the countrysides and the lanes of the, outside the city. Grab those people. Bring those people into me. Bring them to my banquet. Bring them to my table. Felt God say, that's the part of your life that nobody knows about, that you've kicked out. For whatever reason, you found un." redeemable, unsavable, and you've, you've pushed these parts outside of your life. And so if the blessing is in the invitation, the invitation is extended to the hidden brokenness in our life. It's extended to the gifts given, it's extended to the visible hurt, and it's extended to the hidden brokenness that we carry. Again, sometimes this is life, and sometimes this is our own sin, but regardless, it still sits there. And I don't know about you, but when something sits in darkness like this, you can put all the fragrance you want on, you can put on all the great deodorant, your teeth can be whitened, you can have the right clothes on, you can put a smile on your face, but there's this death that's inside of you, this thing that's just simply festering inside of you. And so, yeah, you look great on the outside, and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, they're all curated, and they look awesome, and everybody's liking your stuff, but on the inside, you're going, man, I'm dying on the inside. And God is going, I'm asking you to bring those parts to my table. I'm asking you to bring that part of your life to my table. All of you. The gifts, the visible hurt, and the hidden brokenness. Like I said, I like to be around the dinner table. So a few months ago, about a month and a half ago, I, I got around the dinner table with some friends. Um, Claire was out of town for a few weeks, or not for a few, for a few, for a few days. And so in that, I, I arranged a dinner with some friends. And and so I said, hey, let's go to Jonathan's. It was earlier on, on in the week. And, and so, but by the time the weekend got there, I didn't want to go. But I, I'm the one that sent the group text message, right? Like, have you ever done that? Like, you make the plans, and then by the time the plans come around, you're like, I don't really know if I want to go to this. But you go. The reason I didn't want to go wasn't because of the people that were there. They're some of my best friends, and they're my small group people, and we do life together, and, and they're incredible. And, but... The reason I didn't want to go is, like, a few months earlier, I've been working through and counseling this, this childhood trauma that's kind of come back up. I'd forgotten about it. I was reminded of it. God reminded me of the childhood trauma. And the last time I can remember the childhood trauma was, like, when I was, like, seven. So all this stuff is, like, coming back up in my life. And, and I've, been, I've been at the counselor and, and going through it. And then Claire had been gone for a few days. So I've just been sitting at the house. And it wasn't even my fault. Like, 
And, but at the same time, like I'm sitting with this shame and this hurt and this guilt and all, all these different things and realizing how like, although I had to remember the memory that the enemy had been lying to me about it and, and, and lying about, about who I was because of it. And, and I'd believe some of those lies and all these things are going on, but the dinner's coming, right? Like my friends are expecting me. And so like I go and I, we live at, we live at the goat. Well, not at the goat. We live at LC, like the apartments by the goat. It'd be cool to live at the goat. And, uh, but we live, she says no. And, uh, and so Jonathan's is like right there. And so like, I just walk down to Jonathan's. I get there and we're all eating and stuff. And it begins to storm. I mean, like a pretty bad storm. To the point that like all the TVs in Jonathan's go out. And I wasn't honest with my friends who I could have been honest with in that moment. I wasn't honest with them with where I was at, what was going on, the fact that I was hurting. So I put a smile on, I went to the dinner and, and a friend of mine, one of my best friends made a joke at me. And normally like looking back, the joke was funny. Like I should have laughed. But in that moment, in the filter in which I was hearing things, everything going on, like it just hurt. And I was like, forget this, I'm out. Forget it, I'm done, I'm going home. And it's like storming to where like I'm getting up off the table off the table, like I'm standing on it, getting up off my seat. I like signed the check and I'm walking out and my friends are going like, hey, why, you need to stay. Like, we'll drive you home. And I was like, no, I'm fine. And I make up some excuses and I, and I get home and, and a friend of mine, Kyle, he texts me, he's still at the dinner and he goes, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm just tired. And like, we got church tomorrow and like, I need to get to bed early. Da, da, da. And uh, he called me on it like a good friend does. He said, you're not okay. He said, you can lie to me, but you're not okay. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not okay. But you know that we're buying a house and, and having a baby. And so like, I've already taken my melatonin for the night. And um, like, like, I'm tired, man. I'm going to bed. And, and, and he called me and I sent him to voicemail. Like he knew I could answer. Like we've been texting. You ever done that? Like you're texting somebody and they call you. And you're like, nope. So he texts me back. He said, fine, don't answer your phone. I just dropped Ashley and Blair off at the house. I'm on my way to your house. That's a good friend. I texted him. I said, remember the melatonin? I'm going to be out, man. Let's, let's schedule a, a lunch. So we did. And we went to lunch a few days later. We sat down and we began to share good food. And I began to just, I remember walking into the dinner going, I'm just going to open everything up. Because I can trust him. And the reality is I could trust anybody at that table that night. I just poured out everything that I had and he became Jesus for me in that moment. He began to be the visible signs of Jesus in my life. He began to speak life into me. He began to speak hope into me. He began to speak faith into me. He began to speak against the lies that I had believed about myself. And he began to share his story and that I had not heard some of it. And, and we just began to, we got up from the table different. See, Jesus has this tendency to breathe on things that are hurting and to breathe on things that are dead and to bring life back to them. He did it with Ezekiel. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament and he, and he, and he meets with God out in this, in this valley of dry bones, it says, and there's all these like bones that are just bone dry. And he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel gives the best answer in the Bible. He goes, only you know, God. 
Only you know. I, I don't know, but you know. And, and God says, start prophesying over the bones. Start speaking to the bones, telling them to live. And so because of the instruction of God, not on his own, he begins to speak the words of God over these bones. And the scripture tells us that, that the bones begin to live, that, that, that tendons become together and skin comes together and organs. All this, it's, it's a crazy story. Read the Bible. And, and so they all come together and they live. Jesus does this, one of my favorite stories, Jesus does this in the Gospels, and he he goes to this family because he's heard that this little girl is sick, and he goes to the house, and the family says, she's dead, she's done, it's over. And Jesus goes, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they begin to laugh at Jesus. They go, you're crazy, man, like she is dead. And he goes, you know what, because you're laughing at me, you stay out of the room. I'm going to go in the room by myself with her. Can you, be, can you imagine being on the outside of that room with the door shut? Jesus walked in by himself. They saw their daughter laying on the floor, uh, laying on the bed dead. And then to hear her footprints and her running around the bed. And then to hear her start giggling and laughing. And then to open the door. Like, hey, like you, you begin to think, no, I know what I'm hearing, but that can't be true. And then to open the door and her to walk out with Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says, give her, some, give her something to eat. Get her back around the table. Jesus does it with Lazarus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And then a few moments later in scripture, we see him and Jesus and Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters around what? A table eating together, bringing them their whole self to Jesus. Jesus finally does it with, after his resurrection, he was killed. They finally got him under his authority and because they let it, because he let them get him and, and they killed him. But on the third day, he was risen from the dead, holding now the keys of hell and death and over our own sin and the only one that can free us from it. And, and he comes out of the grave and he meets with his disciples and he tells them, give me a piece of fish to eat. And then he meets with two other guys on their way outside the city. Remember, outside the city, we're leaving. It's not safe anymore. These two guys said, you know what? We thought Jesus was who he said he was. We thought he was the king. We thought he was the savior. We thought he was our redeemer. We thought, we thought, we thought, but it was wrong. So we're gone. And they, 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 they walk out of the city and Jesus meets them on the road. And then when is it revealed to them who he was? It's in the breaking of the bread around the table. It's revealed to them it was Jesus. And the guys that walked out of the city because they didn't believe anymore run back into the city. Jesus has just just this beautiful ability to breathe on things that are hurting, to breathe on things that are dead, to breathe on things that we think are unredeemable and gone. And they bring up life and they bring up freshness and they bring up wholeness. And we begin to see the God who loves us so much that it says his goodness is the thing that leads us to repentance. Not his wrath, not his anger, not in being mad at you for missing the mark. No, it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We have this incredible saying in the church, and I love the saying, like it holds so close and so dear to me, but we're chopping the statement off at its leg, and we're not experiencing the fullness of the statement. And the statement is this, that Jesus will meet you right where you are. And we stop. We look at somebody hurting and broken and things are going on. We're like, hey, Jesus will meet you right where you are. And there is no truer statement than that. That is the essence of the gospel. That he will meet you right where you are with the good, the bad, the ugly, the gifts, everything. But the truth of the gospel continues that he won't leave you right there anymore. What kind of God would it be? What kind of God would he be if he just showed up and was like, I'm here. What are we going to do? I don't know. I have no idea. What kind of friend would you be if like 
your friend called you and was like, hey, I'm on I-40 and, I'm, and I ran out of gas. And the friend like, yeah, on my way, man, I'm coming. And they pull up behind you on I-40 and tractor trailers are swinging by and you're like, hey, I'm here. And they're like, did you bring the gas? And you're like, well, no. What good is that? Like, cool, now you're both stuck on the side of the road. No, but God comes and he meets us right where he is and right where we are and everything that we got going on. But he loves us so much that he doesn't leave us there. And then we have this whole word in, in, the, in, in the church and we don't say a lot, but it's this incredible word. It's called sanctification. And it simply means this, that every day we're invited to the table, whether it's the first time or we've been walking with Jesus for 70 years, we're invited to the table to give him everything. And in giving him everything that we have, he begins to transform our lives day after day after day after day. And the struggle that you have today won't be the struggle you have maybe in 10 years that things get better and you begin to look more like Jesus every single day. This is a church where you can make those journeys. This is a church and a community where you can jump into a small group, that you can be honest, you can be yourself, you can have the doubt and just know that we're not just gonna meet you where you are, but hopefully we're gonna push you and point you to a savior that is greater than we are, that has the greatest hope, that has the greatest faith, that has the greatest resolve to handle whatever it is that we're going through. And it's not just the bad things, it's the good things. Anything that holds us back from the presence of God is a hindrance. So receive the goodness of God. Receive his gifts, but don't forget to take it back to him. Understand that the elephant in the room is just going to grow unless you address it. And I'm not telling you to address it on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or in an email chain because you can't trust those people. Just being honest. But find somebody. That's why community is so important. Find somebody you can open up with that can be Jesus for you when you can't see Jesus in your own life. Take those hurting and broken parts that are not visible and bring them to God. The table is where we receive the healing. I mean, this is his essence. The essence of God is his goodness. The invitation is to you. The invitation to right where you are. Maybe you need to go, hey, I've never said yes to Jesus. I'm walking in here for the first time or I have journeyed around a church community for a long time, but, but, I, need, but I need to say yes fully to Jesus. Maybe you're saying, hey, I've been walking with Jesus, but I have been slow to give him everything. Or at one time I gave him everything, but now there's been some things holding back. And so now I, I, I don't know, like, should I, should I, should I, should I? Yes. Like what I love is this. Like, like we had to remember your baptism saying, hey, like I'm coming back to faith and I'm remembering that is open this morning. The tub is open if you have never said yes to Jesus. I don't care what clothes you got on. We got towels for you. Like, don't let your clothes be a hindrance to the fact that you're trying to say yes and God is pulling on your heartstrings this morning. The goodness of God is running after you, all of you, all parts of you. The invitation has been given. And God loves us so much that the invitation is for all of us, but he's not gonna force you to take it. He's not gonna force you to say yes. He's not gonna force you to bring it to him a forced love in a real one. But the invitation has been given. The blessing is in that invitation, not in your situation. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love you.
love you. We love you. Thank you so much that this is a church and a community that that your spirit is resting on. That we can see you in, in each other. We can bring our whole self to this room and to these people. We can bring our whole self to you. The blessing is not in the situation. What we have or what we don't have or what we've given up or what we've gained. The blessing is fully in the invitation itself that is inviting all of us to bring our whole self to you. So God, pour out your spirit on these gifts here of bread and juice and let them become for us the body and blood of Christ broken and shed for us so that we may receive it, so that we may find salvation day in and day out, redemption day in and day out. May we respond to you. In your name we pray.